The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Take a little walk with me down Observation Road. Because we're coming up on the 2020 elections. And the left, you know, we know that they have Trump derangement syndrome. They've lost their ever-loving freaking mind. I mean, a guy lit himself on fire and walked across the White House lawn. And he succumbed to his stupidity. He's dead. But, and we don't know if it was motivated by Trump, but we know it's motivated. It's got to be motivated by government because why would you set yourself on fire and walk on the White House lawn? That has to be making a statement. Now, he's dead, so he can't give us this statement, and he left no statement, so we don't know why. But it sounds kind of political, looks kind of kind of like a protest. Now, you've got Michael Rappaport, who I've liked in some shows. I've liked in some movies. I think it wasn't he in True Romance. I can't remember. I think he was the one who was trying out for, uh, what was it, uh, the show William Shatner was in uh, with uh, Heather Locklear back in the day. T.J. Hooker. That was the show. Anyways. And listen to him go off. Dick Stain. Dirty f***ing Dick Stain. You heard what Mueller said? The only reason why you're not in prison right now, you f***. Is because you're the president, because they couldn't arrest you. You're the one person who couldn't get arrested for what you've done, you sloppy dog. You committed crimes. You just committed crimes well. Congratulations, okay? You're a good criminal. You should be proud of yourself, okay? You better win in 2020, because if you don't win in 2020, you fat, sloppy dog, you. We're going to arrest you, okay? We're going to put you in an orange jumpsuit. Okay, that's going to match your orange f-ing skin. Okay, you're going to be in a prison next to El Chapo. That's the kind of criminals you're going to be next to. Okay, and we're going to get your f-ing son, Dick Stain Donald Trump Jr., and your daughter, and that f-ing mute f-ing junkyard Jarrett. You f-ing criminal. You crook. You pimp. You con man, you. Wow. Mikey no likey. Someone get that guy a Snickers bar. So we know where the left is. They're just insane. Melting down in the streets, what have you. They still can't let it go. And the Mueller report did nothing to help either side. Now, it showed that maybe somebody coaxed Mueller into reading it. Maybe whatever deep state cabal is behind the scenes is saying, hey, you get up there, here's what you're going to read, and you're going to do this so you can avoid having to testify, and then you're going to ride off into the sunset. Because Mueller's got some ties to every single one of these people in some sort of way or fashion throughout his career. Yeah, he, he's a Republican. Well, he's more of a never-Trump Republican, which we're going to get into the observation that I'm making on that. But he's also somebody who has questionable ties with Obama's uh, lawyer, uh, all types of people. It's crazy. So one of the things that I've noticed is when we think about, think about the Tea Party wave, 
If you want to understand, see, I'm, I wasn't a Trump supporter. I didn't vote for Trump. But I'm also very in tune to politics. And I was pushing for Ted Cruz because I knew Ted Cruz, they're afraid on the right of Ted Cruz because if he says something, he's going to freaking do it. If he wants to shut the government down, he's going to read Green Eggs and Ham and shut the government down. So they didn't think they can get any deals out of him. Now, the left, they must have had dossiers on all the candidates, from my understanding. They were afraid of whoever was coming in on the right. And so what did they do? They pushed Donald Trump to the front. Joe Scarborough was romancing him, him and Mika, talking about, hey, let me call you on your voicemail. How are the kids doing? My kids are doing great. I mean, they were buddy-buddy. They gave him more screen time than anyone could ever purchase for free. And then what happens as soon as he became the guy? They flipped on him because they thought he was going to beclown himself so much that no one would take it seriously and Hillary would just usher right on in. But oops, guess what happened? Trump happened. And the reason why is, a, is just an age of distrust. That's why Justin Amash is out there talking about impeachable offenses on Donald Trump. And guess what? Suddenly, everybody's turning on the guy, even though he has a hell of a voting record. See, I'm, I'm back and forth with him because he, he takes stances on very solid principles, which I like. I like somebody that's going to challenge the thought process. And he's obviously setting himself up for a libertarian run. I mean, what are the libertarians doing? Running Bill Weld? What, are they going to run uh, Gary Johnson again? He's busy still looking for Aleppo. But what they're going to do is they're going to run Justin Amash, and he's going to gain power. For, you know, he's going to gain ignition from his attack on Trump. But where did Amash come from? He came from the same mistrust that gave us Donald Trump. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be uh, as, as formidable of a candidate as Donald Trump. He's going to take the never Trumpers, but they weren't going to vote for Trump anyways. They're never Trumpers. He's not going to pull any Democrats in. So he's got, he's got a pretty big hill to climb. And if they're running on demeanor and class, that, that's not something to run on. So, But where, where did all this come from? This came from years after Reagan left of rhino establishment not doing anything. This came from George W. Bush. Bloated budgets. And TARP bailouts. This came from Obama coming through later. Swinging around his executive privilege pen, his executive overreach. This came from Congress shoving in laws that they didn't even freaking read. And see, the average voter doesn't know much about what's going on in the, in the, in the minute details of government. But what they do know is they want something to stop. And so what they did was in 2010, they pushed the Tea Party wave. And that brought us Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and Justin Amash and Mike Lee and Louis Gohmert. It brought us all of these people that were from the outside. And we were primarying people and flipping them. And that worked so far to bring in something like the Freedom Caucus. But what happened with the Tea Party was the rhino establishment saw that wave 
And they all ran on it under cover of Tea Party. Right here in my own state, Scott Ridgel. Guy left with a 42% Liberty score. And he was out there in his commercials talking about how he's a Tea Party candidate. And he left the party and left office when Trump was elected. And this is because people were so fed up, they wanted reinforcements. They wanted new blood in, and they wanted to root out the establishment. But what happened was the establishment cloaked themselves under the covers of the Tea Party. And so then the Tea Party looked like a worthless cause as the years went on. So then somebody like Trump comes along. And just because he's never been in a government position, those voters loved him and they pushed for him because they wanted that continuation of 2010. They wanted to root out the establishment and that's what Trump's going to run on. You know, they just have a lack of trust. If they knew Amash, they would probably be on the fence with what he's saying. It's not just they're going, Donald Trump is king, yay! Some of them are. I see them. But it's because they don't trust you. Are you flipping under the cloak of the Tea Party, Amash? You know, you got a 75% score with CARE, Council on Islamic and American Relations. You have a, you have a lot of things going that are questionable, but then your liberty score rocks. It's awesome. Your principles we love, but because we don't know if you're an operative, well, not me. I know he's probably not, but we don't know some of these people's backgrounds. And when they flip on them, that's what causes them to lash out. That's what causes them to dig up all of their backgrounds, write all of these pieces and put out all this information because they don't know. And one of the things that I was worried about is, is Donald Trump going to be reelected by, you know, running on the fact that the wall isn't finished? <laughs> I mean, build the wall, right? That's what they chanted. I'm starting to think that that was just the language he was speaking, the code that he was speaking to that base, because what his real accomplishment is, and he says it in this clip, is rooting up the government. And it came out that there was nothing to do with Russia. The whole thing is a scam. It's one of it's a giant presidential harassment. And honestly, I hope it goes down as one of my greatest achievements because I've exposed corruption. I've exposed corruption like nobody knew existed. I think there's a strong case that can be made that that's what everyone wanted. They wanted the bull in the china shop. They wanted the wrecking ball. They got the wrecking ball, and they got results. Half the FBI has gone down. You've got people who have been in the bureaucracy for years out on their ass. I would say that's a hell of an accomplishment, and the accomplishment's not done. There's more uprooting that's going to come from all of the crap that they've done. The spine was used to cover up something. Was it used for covering up What's happening in Syria? Was it used for allowing Iran to attack, attack Israel by using Syria? Because that's what Iran's doing. They got military bases all throughout that country. And that's helping Russia. Is it so that they can run the guns from 
Libya through Benghazi, which fell, and we lost all those servicemen and, and Christopher Stevens. Was it to run those weapons to the Syrian rebels, which are Al-Qaeda terrorists, so that they could take out Assad? And so that Iran can use that state like they're doing with Iraq and Baghdad and put that pressure on Israel? Why did we give them pallets of cash? Why are we working a nuclear deal with them? Was all of that in the background? Was that why McCain and Rubio were so hell-bent on attacking Trump? Because Rubio ran against him, and obviously the establishment loved him so much because they never praised Ted Cruz, but they praised Rubio's third-place finish. But then McCain somehow gets involved. And every time... Assad gasses his people, which I've told you on my show many times through all the hours and hours of research I've done and even some of the more recent documents that that's questionable. It was probably the terrorist that gassed the people and they blamed it on Assad. And suddenly Germany and France and America were bombing their airfields. Was there a child sex trafficking ring? Was was the Clinton Foundation involved? with some sort of relationship with Nexium, some of these sex cults, because one of the things that happens is the Clinton Foundation meetings and events happened, oddly enough, at the same weekend that the UN <laughs> convenes. The UN gets together on the same weekend, and right across the street, Clinton Foundation event. Or is he hooking up some of the world leaders who have a culture of that kind of uh, thing? They swing that kind of way? Who knows? Whatever it is, it's dark, it's deep, it's evil, and they're fighting like hell to keep it covered up. And hopefully, we get more of that uncovered as the presidency goes on. You know, the last little bit I want to say about this is talking about this mistrust that is fueling the Trump supporters. Um, it's not like it's some revelation. Wow, you didn't think that they didn't trust the government? It's, I didn't realize how deep that mistrust would go, that it would be turned on its own movement. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, when I was looking at the primaries here in Virginia, we had a lot of individuals running who were very openly with the Freedom Caucus, they were also marketing themselves as Tea Party Freedom Caucus uh, campaign candidates, but then they were also marketing themselves as Trump supporters. And then they started getting knocked off, and I couldn't figure out why. Well, one individual, Nick Friedis, who is like a little mini Ted Cruz, I mean, the guy is as principled as it gets, he gave that one speech on the uh, floor of the uh, Virginia State Legislature about gun, con gun control, and it went viral. I mean, the guy is solid. But he was critical during the primaries. And Corey Stewart, the bumbling idiot, ended up getting the nomination. <laughs> so that pissed me off. And I was like, well, I was critical. A lot of people were critical during the primaries. That's the time to be critical. But what it is, is the moment you are critical, the moment the distrust kicks in, and they will snipe you because they're that they're that mistrusting of uh, distrusting of any political figure because they they don't trust anybody not even ones that 
have a great scorecard like Justin Amash. And so I think the Justin Amash criticism and watching him come out in the open, going against Trump, which really I was surprised by because he doesn't have any source material that he typically puts up on his sites, up on his social media to back up his claims. He came up with a couple claims with six items or something, but even those were kind of shaky at best. And the fact that he is as principled as he is, has the scorecard that he is, you would think most people would say, yeah, we want somebody like that to push the movement along because look at what they're doing. They're voting for the right things. But just because he criticized Trump, everybody turned on him. Suddenly we're finding out about his his uh, affiliation with Chinese businesses and we're seeing care out there giving him, you know, praise because I guess his parents are Palestinian and Syrian. But and there's something to look into on that as well. I mean, he could be doing what they call Takia, which is, you know, you lie and play the role. And then when it's time to move the jihad movement then you move it ahead, I don't know, but that's just a wild conspiracy theory. But that's the thing. They will turn on anyone that is critical simply because of lack of trust. And even if it's somebody within the whole Tea Party genesis, the whole movement from the start, because those people were co-opted by the establishment. The only way the establishment is going to be rooted out is by people from the outside that support Trump all the way through, according to the Trump voters. Whether or not I think that's smart, I don't, but that's the phenomenon that's happening. I'm just here to report the conditions, not tell you whether or not I think it's a good idea because I personally think we just need to take anyone who is for freedom, for liberty, for the Constitution and make them the head of the movement and snipe out the rhinos in the primaries. I'm not going to base it on whether or not he, you know, kisses the butt of, you know, of Trump, but there's a lot of people that do. And I just want to point that out. So we know that there's a high amount of distrust of the voters of any politician, but if there's one side that we shouldn't trust at all, that would be the Democrats. I know the Republicans fail us across the board, but the Democrat party is literally insane. And the Clintons for first and foremost are the most brazen of the bunch. Check this out. Guess who is going to be the keynote speaker at a cybersecurity summit. If you thought Hillary Clinton, <laughs> I kid you not, Hillary Clinton is going to be the lady who, I mean, check this out. How do you go from not knowing how to use a BlackBerry or email? Bill Clinton didn't even have email from what he said. Yeah, I totally buy that. So how do you go from not having a BlackBerry to having multiple BlackBerries to a personal private server in a bathroom that you got to jiggle the handle to get the security to work because it got hacked by Russians or by WikiLeaks or whoever hacked it. And then you become the keynote speaker at a cybersecurity summit. Uh, Alex, I'll take uh, bullshit that uh, doesn't make sense for 2000. Or how about crap I can't believe for 500 for a strong security. I can see her now just standing up there. For a strong security over your vulnerable decentralized network, I recommend you purchase a craftsman hammer and pummel your devices into a fine powdery dust. It's unbelievable, the brazenness. 
<laughs> I mean, Fire Eye is the name of the company. We are pleased to announce that former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton will be the featured keynote speaker at Fire Eye Summit in October. Secretary Clinton will engage in an intimate Q&A <laughs> keynote discussion with Kevin Mandia. I mean, are they going to say, um, how do you use bleach fit? Because you guys were experts at it. Did you uh, wipe it like with a hammer? I mean, did you wipe it like with a rag? What did she say? Something ridiculous like that? What, did we wipe it like with a rag? No. You're the keynote speaker. The best part is there was stories back in the day that said Colin Powell had to coach her through how to be the keynote or how to use the, uh, the IT tech, how to use her phone. Why not skip the middle woman and go straight with Colin Powell then? This is what they do. This is the Clintons. This is how the Clintons have been rolling for years. They do something brazen. They, just, they do something so corrupt and the media holds them up. The press doesn't report on anything. The bureaucracies, they don't investigate. Or if they do, they give us a nice little show investigation that closes up, reopens, closes up again. Nothing comes of it, even though anyone else under the same standards would be fried. And then they turn around and do something like that. You know? They, Bill Clinton's going to turn around, leave office, start up the Clinton Foundation. He's going to help people around the world. They're going to funnel all this money through selling off our nuclear secrets and uh, to China, selling off our military tech to Russia, our uranium to Russia, airplanes to Saudi Arabia. All of this benefited the Clintons personally. And then what do they do? <laughs> they turn around and have the event right by the U.N., at the same time, and they have these drunken parties, and it's just, it's a, a giant mess, and no one ever does anything about it. Yeah, I'm going to go down to Haiti, and then we're going to help the Haitians after the devastating, uh, you know, the devastation that they endured, and then we're going to turn around and let Hillary Clinton's brother go down there and take over the mining industry. We're going to take all those precious metals from Haiti. These people are frauds. And the fact that a company will laud her when she was supposed to be completely ignorant of anything technology related and then to turn around and make her the keynote speaker when she was the most hacked woman in the United States costing her her election is ridiculous. You can't make that stuff up. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian President said of impeachment, and at first you gave no reason. I read every single one of your tweets, and then when you were pressed, you finally gave a reason, and you came up with things like discussions of firings that never happened, rumors of recusal reversals that never happened, nobody reversed their recusal, and then made baseless claims about obstruction of justice, which I know you've discussed it before, but you have to have corrupt intent. So you have to prove that Trump knew that he was guilty of a crime and knowingly tried to obstruct justice based on that. Okay? You don't have that. You don't have proof of corrupt, of corrupt intent. You don't. That's, that's not what the And you also further know, you further know that impeachment would tear this country apart if it went through when he was removed from office. It would cause a political upheaval in this country, people in this generation have never seen before, possible civil war. You rest safe, no, yes, 
grew us safe in the knowledge that that will not happen, that he won't be removed from office. So you get to make the political grandstanding that raises your national profile. You are now a national household name. That's called political capital. And you are hoping to launch your star bigger and brighter than District 3. You just talked about how you did better in District 3 than Trump. Do you want to talk about how the last election you got the least amount of support that you ever have because you haven't supported the MAGA agenda? Now, that's, that's your that's right to do so, but it, it's your right to support whatever you want, but you also know that you have no future in this, in this district because of that as a Republican. So you want to go bigger and brighter. And I have my final thing, my question, is why did you talk nothing about the FISA abuses? If you care about the Constitution so much, why didn't you say anything about the year-long violation of the Fourth Amendment rights of Trump and his entire transition team? Every phone call, every email, every personal conversation for a year was spied upon and recorded. And they had no knowledge. And you are laughing. You are laughing about a year-long spying on an entire team of people. Fourth Amendment's violated. And you didn't speak about it once. You didn't speak about the FISA abuses, which is currently under investigation. And you, you called Agent A.G. Barr a liar without any proof. Bam! When did libertarians who were the most skeptical on surveillance, NSA down the line, I mean, you know, are you detaining me? When did they kowtow to allowing a FISA court to just spy on, you know, a private citizen running for office. What was that okay? You know, if you read the Mueller report, you wouldn't factor that in because it's not in there. You have to look outside of the report. You have to realize the Mueller report is a partisan hack job in concert with the spying. And she nails it out right there. I mean, that, that was brilliant. And I'm amazed that Justin Amash has turned into Justin Amush. Now, we have a new feature on the program. If you go to the show notes of the podcast, there is a link down below that will allow you to leave listener feedback. And we got some from one of our favorite listeners, JR15 on Twitter. Jay, let's hear what you got. Hey, Adrian, it's your buddy at JR15 over on the Twitters. Just wanted to touch base with you, tell you I really enjoy your show every week. Uh, this week in particular, my favorite part was uh, the breakdown of the video uh, of who I called AOC with the D, the beta male describing and having to redefine uh, class system to make his definition of everything work and to show how capitalism is crap when in fact it's the most successful economic system that has ever existed you know in modern history so uh keep up the good work and uh i will keep listening brother i really do appreciate that jay and he's talking about the episode where we deconstructed that that roofer that guy who was saying that the means of production are only owned by the elite and everyone else is working class which is complete crap but you can go back and check out that episode it was from about a week and a half ago, I think, maybe a little over two weeks ago, on our podcast platform, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn. Just go on and search Adrian Slade. All right, so I probably need to address the elephant in the room, the 800-pound gorilla hanging out in the foyer. 
If you follow me on social media, you know this past weekend, or Friday actually, um, I was dangerously close to the active shooter here in Virginia Beach. In an office building nearby that I work out of in my other part of my life, uh, we were extremely close to Building 2 at the uh, Virginia Beach Municipal Center. We know a lot of people uh, that work in government because of the fact that we're such a tight-knit community. And I, I'm not going to make this about me because it's about, it's about the 12 that died. One of them died in the parking lot, was shot and killed in his car. And that's where it gets very unnerving because about 4 o'clock on Friday... I decided to get up from the desk, take a little breather, step outside. Usually 4 o'clock is a good time to do that. I start walking down the sidewalk on the backside of Building 2. So I missed whatever, whatever incident happened in the parking lot. But suddenly, police officers descended all over the place. EMTs, fire trucks, what have you. My initial thought was, okay, this is, you know, maybe somebody had a heart attack. Maybe there was a freak accident because, you know, there's roads in between those parking lots. I noticed a car was kind of cockeyed and parked really bizarre, and the police officers were surrounding it. So I thought, well, maybe that's what's going on. I look over to what used to be an old school. It's been refashioned into a training center, and it also has a police gym that you could utilize if you're a city employee. And they were running out, holding hands. It almost looked like a Columbine Parkland video. And that's when it hit me that this is something probably a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit bigger than what I initially thought that it was. And then it really clued me in when the SWAT team moved right in front of me. And hunkered down behind a couple of uh, vans parked in the parking lot. And they were pointing up towards building two. So at that point, I'm like, all right, I got to get out of Dodge. I think I was on the phone with somebody from the Federalist Party, too. And they heard it as it was going down. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, she was talking to me and said, wow, you sound pretty calm. And I was like, ah, yeah, I think I got to go. So I hung up, tried to enter back into the office. But because of the shooting going on. The office was locked down. So at that point, I'm kind of stuck outside, right behind building two. Um, you know, I contact my coworkers, let them know that I'm out, out of the building. And of course, they're like, dude, just get out of Dodge. And as I'm going back to the vehicle, uh, back to my vehicle, which was behind the two SWAT officers that were uh, holding down the perimeter of building two, I hear them screaming, get your hands up, get your hands up. And then one of them says, Captain, are you still pinned down? Yeah, at that point, it was time for me to go. And I noticed that there was an open window on building two. And there's a little stairwell between building one and building two that goes over a hill that leads to another parking lot. And that's about where the captain was. So at that point, I got into the vehicle or into my vehicle, backed up and uh, drove out of Dodge. But I really want people to keep in mind that this individual, the, the individual was someone who 
they say he didn't have a violent history, but apparently there was a violent incident this week. And that caused him to be put under scrutiny by his department heads. And of course, in church, we talked about, you know, this incident quite a bit. And one of them, one of my, uh, you know, church attendees said that they knew the person who had set up the initial meeting. Apparently he was being asked to come back in because he was going to be reprimanded. And that's when this incident happens and he's really struggling with it. So keep prayers out for him among, you know, the families and friends. So apparently this guy, and it's been said that in his apartment building, he had surveillance cameras in his windows. He was kind of a sketchy guy to some of the neighbors. They say uh, the night before he was up all hours of the night, uh, screaming, making unnerving sounds. And they were kind of, you know, freaked out about it. Um, so this guy shows up and the first person he interacts with is Bert Snelling. Now, He's a friend, or he was a friend of my parents, and he attended their church. He attended other churches, and what's interesting about this was his, his role in those other churches is that he is church security. So I'm to assume that he had a weapon on his person, concealed carry, because if you attend the church that my parents attend and are involved with the security team that my father's involved with, and, you know, my father has a military background. Um, they actually do, they conduct active shooting drills for, or, or they conduct training for the city in conjunction with the state police. So he obviously was trained. He obviously knew how to handle his weapon. He most likely had it on him. And that was probably why he was shot. I don't think he was quick enough. I can't verify that, but that was my first thought. If you are a church security guard for a church that hosts active shooter trainings for other churches in conjunction with the state police, you probably know how to handle your weapon. But he was shot and killed in his vehicle. And the gunman, then I think his name is Dwayne Craddock. I don't really want to get into all that, but he enters the building. He has a 45 caliber with a suppressor. So obviously he was going in to minimize the, you know, it, it's, it's more for the shooter's ears than it is for, it's not a blowgun silencer like the media tries to make it out to be like it's some Indiana Jones, you know, it's, you, no, it's, it just kind of makes it easier on the ears to shoot. So he obviously had intentions of a big kill. He entered the building he, uh, you know, the bottom floor is uh, planning and zoning, and which I knew then it was a domestic violence or a disgruntled employee situation because you don't go entering building two to kill people, zoning, public utilities. If you wanted to make a statement, you would you'd go to building one. That's the city mayor. That's the city attorney, the city manager. That's where you make your statement. So... I kind of figured that it, this was most likely a you know spouse going to kill their wife or you know husband or it was a disgruntled employee and it turns out that's what it was. Now, what's interesting was he has a military background. Now, Bert was driving up 
he wasn't even an employee. He was going to get a building permit and he was taken out in the parking lot. Now he goes, uh, the shooter goes in and he kills people on multiple floors. Now his job was in public utilities. He had a key card. He had a 45. So it's not a weapon of war. It's not an assault rifle, but he was able to walk in because he had access. He worked there for, a good 15 years to my understanding. And it's not like he would have been somebody that you would have been like, uh, who is this guy? You know, you wouldn't have really questioned it, but he, he was able to get into the second floor and take out quite a few people, quite a few innocent people. One of which was a friend of my, uh, my in-laws, um, and these people did nothing, you know, they, they were just working and I don't know how you go back to that building. To my understanding, it's basically closed indefinitely because I don't want to take anything away from school shootings, but if the building remains, well, the people that are in that building, they're outside of the teachers. The kids are going to graduate. They're going to be out of there in a couple of years. The people that work in this building, they're, with the, they're there the 30 years. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to probably move the department. There have been plans to redevelop the municipal center. So maybe that'll put a fire under that. But the NRA is not to be blamed for this. Dana Lash is not to be blamed for this. You know... And I saw that online and I actually came to her defense. I'm like, this has nothing to do with gun control. Gun control wouldn't have helped this. This was a heart issue. This guy came in the door. And if you want a juxtaposition on what a heart issue is, you've got pure evil walking in the front door, taking out 12 people, military background. So I wonder if he spent some time in Afghanistan or Iraq. Maybe he was able to clear buildings because it sounded to me like he was pretty effective. One of the things people don't realize when they say, oh, well, you know, we should get rid of guns and, you know, the police are there and gun control. You got to get rid of this gun culture. The police first precinct was across the street. Many of the ones that were on the scene initially just walked across the street. They didn't they didn't need they were there within two minutes. They didn't need to drive and, you know, get situated. I mean, they were there. They were a stone's throw. You could see the building from their back door. Same with the fire department. So making it a gun-free zone does nothing to save people, obviously. And that's where the heart issue comes in because this guy was so filled with hate that when he was reprimanded and brought to the table to lose his job or, you know, they asked for his resignation, you know, most city employees, they ain't getting fired anytime soon. Um, That's when he snapped. But on the other side of the coin, one of the uh, deceased victims, Keith Cox, it's reported that he saved lives during the shooting. And a woman who works with him, gave the account, Christy Dewar, this is from 13 News, WVEC, said there were 
Two ice cream Sunday birthday celebrations happening in the municipal center. Then around 4 p.m., the gunman started the events that led to the killing of 12 people and injuring four within minutes. Now, Dewar said Cox, a victim who was killed during the mass shooting, saved a ton of lives. You know, uh, he was an account clerk and she heard what what sounded like a nail gun, but she didn't think anything of it. She said there was plans, you know, for renovations, as I stated earlier. And then a co-worker burst in. Claudia says, this is not a drill. This is an active shooter in the building. Run, get off your phones, run, get out. And she grabbed her purse. She tried to run with other colleagues towards an exit. Then I heard somebody else screaming, it's too late. Run the other way. Hurry, run, Dewar explained. Dewar said, Ryan Keith Cox, a public utilities employee for 12 and a half years and known by everyone as Keith, immediately took control. She said he uh, told them to barricade themselves in the closet office. We all went in there and I turned and I said, Keith. And he said, I got to go check on everybody else. And we shut the door and locked it and pushed a metal cabinet in front of it. Seconds later, Dewar said the shooter shot through the door four times, two of the bullets, almost piercing through the metal cabinet. Dewar said she and her co-workers huddled together, shaking and crying as they realized that the wall protecting them was just a flimsy partition. We were afraid to move, so finally we heard, Code Blue, Code Blue, police, anybody here? Dewar said she started screaming that they were there. Officers escorted everyone out while they did. Dewar said she saw a splintered wooden and broken door off the hinges. She said it looked like a total chaos. They had us go down the, the south stairwell, and there was a body on the landing covered up in blood. Dewar said um, they had covered her up, and I just started shaking and crying, and I just stopped. And I couldn't, I kept staring. And the officer said, Don't stare at the body, look away. I stopped and I said, I can't do this. And she said, yeah, Or he said, Yes, you can. You're strong enough. Come on, don't look. Step over. She later learned that that was the body of one of the victims who was one of her personal friends. But Keith was the guardian angel. Keith is somebody that would do anything for anyone, and he did, and he gave his life, said Dewar. He needs to be honored and respected, and the city needs to do something to memorialize his heroism. So we pray for Keith Cox and his family. We pray for the 12 victims and their families, for Bert, who was outside, most likely engaging in the fight. Now, this was a huge shootout. It went on for quite some time. In fact, he barricaded himself in one of the rooms and they had to request a key card and the key card didn't work. Apparently, they blew open the door. The one officer was shot and he luckily had his vest on, so he just had a little bit of bruising. The other officer shot him in return fire and took him out. Listen to Kirsten Gillibrand. I heard the three points you specifically made. Having said that, none of them would have prevented what happened in Virginia Beach. This gentleman, he didn't buy an assault weapon. He had two handguns. He bought them legally. So how do you prevent? I understand that you, this, all of your plans aren't going to stop all of them. But is there anything you could have done that would have stopped this terrible incident? Yeah, stop being beholden to the NRA like President Trump is. That's not an answer, schnookums. That doesn't solve anything. The NRA doesn't purchase and sell weapons? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. They have Saul alinsky the NRA, beyond belief. You know, Jonah Goldberg the other day was writing some article about how 
the NRA is killing themselves with the culture. They're not killing themselves with the culture. They're under attack. They're trying to pierce the attack and stay in front of it. I mean, Jonah Goldberg, is he's like, I don't get that guy. He writes great books on conservatism. He has great articulation on conservatism. But then he falls into these things. Like I listened to one of his podcasts and he was talking with, I want to say it was, uh, it was Senator um, Ben Sass. And they were talking about, you know, Roy Moore. And then they started talking about George Soros and he minimized it. Like, oh yeah, George Soros is the big boogeyman. George Soros is the funding mechanism behind everything anti-American and anything that can dismantle American democracy. So they're more than willing to try to disarm you. They're more than willing to fund groups like Michael Bloomberg's group to get rid of guns. They're more than willing to do whatever it takes to capitalize on a situation like Virginia Beach. Now, there are multiple GoFundMe pages, uh, meal train pages. Take it upon yourself to look it up. I, I can't provide all the links right now because they're all over the place. There's so many victims. But keep in mind that the city isn't paying for these people's funerals. I have a feeling that there's going to be some lawsuits. In fact, a friend of mine who represents public utilities in legal matters, and she said that, yeah, that's, the, that's coming down the pike. She's going to have a lot on her plate. But take it upon yourself to search the names of the victims, learn about them, because there have been multiple pieces that WVEC and Wavy TV 10 and some of these other local stations have put together for each individual. And donate whatever you can. Help these individuals because they're going through a lot right now. Pray for them. Thoughts and prayers work, gang. I don't care what the left says. But we have to realize that this entire incident, gun control would not have saved it. If anything, concealed carry inside a gun-free zone, changing that policy could have made a difference. Maybe if Bert was a little bit more, uh, you know, Maybe he, if he was in a better position, maybe he could have engaged and stopped him in the parking lot and saved all those lives. He tried, though. At least I believe he did. I haven't gotten confirmed reports about it, but if he's killed in the parking lot, why was he the only one? I was in the parking lot some 200 feet away from Bert's car. So just... Keep that in perspective. It's not the guns. Gun control would not save anything. This is a hard issue. People need to start respecting human life and start checking anger. Mental illness, that's another issue too. People need to address that more. And whatever you do, help those victims here in Virginia Beach and also send out some prayers, whatever you can. Take a time, take a moment to pray. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo 50 Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. You can also listen to us on the weekends, Saturday, 5 p.m., Sunday morning, midnight. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, 
wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review. That's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parlor, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.